you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Welcome to new listeners. What is I Seem Fun, the diary of Jen Car... God damn it. This is exactly what it is. I couldn't even say my own name. And I almost just hit pause so that I could edit this out. But screw it. That's what this podcast is. I Seem Fun, the diary of Jen Kirkman podcast is a solo podcast done by me, comedian Jen Kirkman. You may remember me from Chelsea Lately or Drunk History. You may have read my books. You may have seen my Netflix specials. I'm going to die alone and just keep living. This is where I go to say whatever the hell I want. There doesn't have to be punchlines. It doesn't have to be politically pleasing to any particular group. It doesn't have to be funny. It can be sincere. I've cried on this podcast before. I've definitely been funny on this podcast before. I've been informative. I've been stupid. I've just been a human. This is where you can go to for free, listen to a performer, riff for an hour about what went on in their mind, in their world, in their life that week. I started this podcast in 2013 when I was a writer and performer on the Chelsea Lately Show. Because of how fun that show was and I was doing things like Drunk History, a lot of people thought I was a very fun party girl. And so they were coming to my shows drunk and screaming things out and I realized this is out of control. People need to know that I seem fun, but I'm really not fun. I'm, I like to do dumb things like stay home on Friday night and make lists. And I like to not be wasted and shouting things out if I'm in the audience somewhere. I wanted a podcast for people to find the real me. And it's been one of the most fun things that I've ever done in my creative life. So if you start listening to the podcast and you feel lost and you feel like it's a conversation that you're not part of, that's kind of what it feels like. But if you stick with it, you'll start to understand that it's random and you can be part of it anytime you want. I will read you a review from the Onion AV Club. 
What makes I Seem Fun funny is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian or seriously considering a class action suit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. Get ready to step inside to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Welcome. I seem fun. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 268. Chicago! And all places nearby, I need you Thursday night, the 17th. Oh, so happy that I was obsessively checking the forecast. Is that going to snow? Is it going to sleep? So far, so good. So far, so good. So this means tomorrow, if you're listening to this when the episode comes out, if you're like, I don't know, I want to go out, I'll see her sometime. Guys, 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 let me explain one more time. So when I do gigs, based on how many tickets I've sold before, the venue will say, great, you can have this much as a guarantee. If one person shows up, we'll still pay you this much money. And that's based on uh, a calculated risk we're taking because you had this amount of people last year. The more people that come, the more you guarantee that next year I get a guarantee. If nobody comes, then I lose my guarantee. And then, you know what I mean? So some cities I don't go to right now because I lost money on them. Detroit's like, come back. I know you hate us. I'm like, I don't hate you. I just lost money. So I can't come back. I'm sorry. I can't come back right now. Chicago, I always do well in, but I want to do more well. (laughs) Let's do this. Come see me. I'm really excited to get on stage. I have been sitting in a writer's room for two years. I know I've also been touring. It's not like it's been a torture. It's just that I'm busting at the seams. I feel I keep changing as a person every year, which is changing my act. It's just a love fest. I can't wait to perform. Oh my God, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. And I don't have to do those paid meet and greets anymore. Not that I thought the paying was the problem, but I felt like for what I, I didn't like how they were presented. I didn't like how they were done. It didn't work for me. So I'd rather just let the audience thin out, come out after, sell my books, get out, blah, blah. But there is, I don't think I'm supposed to be talking about this, but uh, let's just say, uh, there's some press being done on me that's not just local. It's bigger than that. And they're going to be coming to some shows and they'll be in Chicago. And so I just want it to be an amazing show. Just, I don't know, just come. I know you guys are coming, but bring other people. I don't, just do what you can. Get the word out. We are about halfway sold out and that was last week. So it's probably more by now. But man, if I could just, oh, just fill up all 700 of those seats. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Why is it so hard? I'm so, so weird. It's so weird to be so successful and yet scramble to get seats. It's so hard. You have to be so famous to guarantee that your show is going to sell out right away. Oh my God, it's wild. It's wild. What's that from? You're wild. Uh. Oh no. I might have some stiff competition in the neighborhood. That's all right. That's all right. Okay. 
So yeah, and Phoenix, I need a big push. And the hilarious Tony Tripoli is opening for me in Phoenix. Not that he's not a headliner in his own right, but he's a funny guy, friend of mine. He used to work with Joan Rivers, was her head writer. He's amazing. So come see us in Phoenix. It's going to be a fun show and not like a, you know, dumb, dumb person show. You know what I mean? I know some of you guys seem funners. You're like, I love you, but I don't love my city and I don't want to be amongst its members. Not with the Phoenix gig. It's going to be fucking great. February 2nd, 7 o'clock show. I mean, are you kidding me? We get out early. And I'm selling signing books after the show. I mean, it couldn't be more perfect. And it's Super Bowl weekend. So this is your Super Bowl. I'm really serious. Those tickets need to sell in advance or I'm going to have a heart attack. So please, 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 please. Thank you so much. Um... The new listeners are already like, why is this a show? And, you know, I got to do the business up front. Got to do the business up front. Okay, so what could we possibly talk about this week, everybody? What could we possibly talk about together right now? Don't you worry. I've got it all planned out. I just got back from, I never signed up for this mailing list. Oh, isn't that the most fun thing you can do? so passive aggressive. Oh yeah, I don't know how I got on it. You probably did the thing you said you wouldn't do. You made me put my email at checkout and said, uh, unclick here for offers. And I did, but you sent it anyway. I don't know how it happened, but it's probably you. Oh, I'm just doing that as I talk to you guys. And it's really, really, really gets me on a soul level. I still need y'all to email me about going to shows alone. I seem fun at gmail.com, but we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And I think we're actually going to start with that because I want people to know about this. And I, I'm sitting here and I just had a moment of organizational inspiration where I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, if you want to know what it's like to go to a show alone, I'm going to tell people at this minute in my podcast, I'm going to read some letters about that. It's probably not going to be as great as I'm making it seem. That's okay. Listen, I don't give a shit. Okay, going to shows alone. Maybe no one even wrote about this. Huh. Well, we're going to start there in a minute. Oh, this is still New Year's resolutions. Going to shows alone. Going to shows alone at the five minute, let's just, at six... Oh, no, it's not six minutes for you guys because there's all this other crap at the beginning. Whatever. I'll remember. Going to shows alone. This is an email from Max. I go to shows alone all the time, especially music shows. The last thing you want is to be at an awesome show with someone who's not as into it as you are. One of the best shows I've ever seen, Albert Collins at the original Antones in Austin. I had to leave early because my fiance got tired or missing the opening act because your date is fashionably late. No, thank you. Never again. I'm on my way to see my family and I'm considering staying in a hotel. Well, that's a separate thing. I'm going to a show alone to a Jen Kirkman show. This is from Powell. You mentioned on a recent episode that some people are a bit trepidatious to attend your shows alone, but I'm here to assure them it's a true joy to do so. I've been a listener of the podcast for about five years and I've seen you live three times since then. My first show was during my junior year of college at a cool rock club in Chapel Hill. I invited everyone under the sun to come along with me, including my then recent ex, who I was still heartbroken over, but all my friends were either busy that night or simply pretending to be. They talked about them pretending to be. They were busy, otherwise they would have loved it. They were 
so upset they couldn't come is, is what you should write. Two of them um, did some self-harm that night and uh, had to be put under a 24-hour hold because that's how upset they were. That's what you should say. But alas, I put on a cute outfit, took myself out for a drink before the show and had a fantastic night. Do you know what sometimes I think you guys do? You'll be like, I love your podcast, but my friend doesn't. Isn't she stupid? And I'm like, guess who I'm not focused on right now? You. Why doesn't your friend like it? What's going on? Your friend represents 5 million people in the population. Um, Do you know what I mean? Never tell a performer that you like them and no one else you know gets them. It doesn't make me feel like you and I get some bond. It makes me go, oh, that's right. I'm not relatable. You know what I mean? We're mental. And when you guys, (laughs) you guys are starting to catch on, right? Uh, Okay. Could I read an email? Probably not. But alas, I put on a cute outfit, took myself out for a drink before the show, and had a fantastic night. You even did some crowd work with me, asking what I planned to do after the show, to which I responded, probably eat candy in bed. I bet that got a big laugh, because that's very funny and relatable. Ah, the joys of a recent college breakup, and also adult breakups that happened, so (laughs) welcome to life. And even not breakups, just people eat candy in bed for any reason. I met you after the show and you complimented my fun outfit, which was thrilling. You signed my book. We took a cute pic and I was on my way. As far, I'd go as far as to recommend that people attend your shows alone, but let's maximize those ticket sales, honey. No, but I'm serious. Go alone. And then you're less likely to be talking to the people in your group too. Maybe go with a big group of friends and sit all separately. That could be fun. Actually, Powell, that is why I demand you do that. I digress. Thanks for the podcast. Oh, that's perfect. Okay, great. Um, wait. That's it on going to shows alone? I don't think I advertise this enough. I really don't. Maybe I will. Oh, going alone. Hey, Jen, I saw you around a year and a half ago in Detroit, Michigan alone. Well, I think it was just you and me there because everyone was mad at me in Michigan that year um, for coming there. They were all yelling at me about Bernie Sanders and he would have won. And I just, it it was like having real life trolls in my face. I actually live in Pittsburgh, but my sister lived in Detroit. So I made a weekend vacation trip to see her and you. She dropped me off at the venue. I got a beer and found a seat next to a couple. I was sitting there minding my own business when another solo show goer asks my row and the row behind me if anyone was saving seats. I chimed in saying, all the ones near me were open. The solo showgoer took her seat, and I heard the woman right next to me say to her boyfriend, wow, there are a lot of people here alone. They must be dying to see her. Yeah, bitch, they are. I didn't have a verbal response to her comment saying, I actually don't live in this town, and I enjoy doing things alone. Instead, I took the passive-aggressive route and got up, in turn making them have to stand up four or five times as my revenge. Was it the right thing to do? Who knows? It absolutely was because a lot of people in the audience were cunt to lose. And I'm really sorry to say that. (laughs) I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person who's nice sometimes. And that is why you should be into the podcast because it's human. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just found this article. I'd been saving it, but why not? 
Why not put it here? So come to shows alone, especially Seattle, February 14th, Valentine's Day. I mean, it's going to be so fucking uplifting. That's why I'm doing it. I hate Valentine's Day. I'm like, what can I do? What can I go? Oh, I can go somewhere like in quotes depressing like Seattle and I can spread some joy and I can I can get the joy back from the big, 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 big crowd. So please come. And it's not a I'm not pro single, by the way. I'm at the point in my singleness where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just too mental for anyone to be with. You know, um, I don't really believe that, but I just think like, who knows what's going to happen? Um, have a big, beautiful life, tons of people in my life, other single, like male friends I hang out with, like it's all good, but, um, it's not, I'm not like wearing it as a moniker. People tried to put that on me for a long time that that was my thing. Like, Oh, so you like being single. I'm like, I'm just comfortable in my own skin. Um, I was in a relationship for seven years and part of those years included marriage and engagement and living together and I was lonely and uncomfortable. And so taking a big leap and ruining lives in the process and hurting families ultimately so that I could just feel like myself or find out who I was because I didn't know uh, because everyone told me I'd, I'd know who I was by the time I was 35. And then when I was 35, I thought, well, I don't feel like I know, but I guess I'll stop questioning it and just get married over here. And then I realized I don't know who I am and I'm sorry it took me a little longer, but I'd rather know than never know because I was supposed to know by this age. And um, then I wrote a book about not having kids, being single, and was just like, hey, if anyone else is out there who's doing this thing, it's all good. You're not a failure. You're not a loser. And it turned into like, why do you preach the single life? I'm like, oh, God, if I did, kill me. You know, I wasn't trying to do that. I was trying to pitch the, as long as you're doing what you're doing because it's authentic to you and you're not single because you're secretly hiding and you're not married because you're secretly wanting to be normal, as long as it's authentic to you and you're able to still grow and change within whatever category that you fit into and you're open to evolving, don't let anyone make you feel bad about where you are because that's where you are, you know? You're good enough for the... The Lord Jesus, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what I was trying to be Joel Olstein. Just smile. Um, so, yeah. So it's not a couples bashing thing is my point. It's just that it's neither or. It's just a show that happens to be on Valentine's Day. So if you need to take your mind off it, come. If you need a romantic thing to do with your partner, well, the content of the show won't be romantic, but you guys can bring your own romance, right? The way you bring your own candy into the movie theater because it's so expensive. You bring your own candies and you wrestle and you wrestle your candies there. You just sit there and you wrestle it up. You wrestle up your candies. You come, you hold hands with your partner, you give them a little kiss, you have a good time and then you leave and you say that was a fun show. We are the cool couple that did something fun on February 14th. I will not be in other parts of Washington State this year. So I do recommend that you come Thursday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, 8 p.m. And I'll be selling and signing books after. So buy your significant other a book and say, boo, 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 is your Valentine's Day present. Or you can buy yourself a book and you can go home and read it alone in your bed, happy. Happy that for now, until you find someone, you don't have to hear snoring except for your own. Right? We celebrate everybody at I Seem Fun. So I, I want to hear you all buy tickets. Get online. Buy them in advance. Buy them in advance. Everything. JenKirkman.com. Click tour. Again, 
I'm in Dallas, Arlington, Virginia, Phoenix, Seattle, Portland, Oregon, Salt Lake City, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Chicago, all between now and April. Uh, all between now and May. More stuff is being added. So much more. Save the date. Boston, Friday the 13th. I'm back at the Wilbur. That's a thousand seat theater. We sold it out last time on a Wednesday night. I can't believe. Bold move, Kirkman. I looked back and I was like, I expected people to come out on a Wednesday. Because a lot of my fans, they don't work in the city. They're from the suburbs. A lot of people don't like to drive in to the city on weeknights. I don't know. But you know what? The T, the public transportation system makes it easy. Get on the green line if you live in Newton. Anyway, Friday the 13th, let's put some good luck up in this bitch. If you have work that day, leave around 5.30, have some dinner in the theater district and get your butt over there. I'm giving you plenty of notice to figure out your life Friday the 13th, a couple weeks after Labor Day. So you'll be back in, back settled. Don't overspend on Labor Day. Spend 30 bucks on me. Try to keep the ticket prices down. Also try to make a living. And uh, there you go. I, uh, it'll be fucking fun. I guarantee. And then New York City, 9-11, don't forget. Which is different than never forget. Don't forget. Or know now, and then don't forget it. I will be doing a special show in Brooklyn at the Bell House on my beloved September 11th. Let's come and heal the energy of that city as we laugh and realize how lucky we are and we honor those who died who are still sick from the after effects of cleaning up the wreckage and we do what you're supposed to do when you are lucky enough to survive anything you fucking live so let us have let us turn 9-11 and friday the 13th into a posse now i don't know when tickets go on sale as of as of the time of my recording i do not know could be a couple weeks could be a month i don't know I don't know what these crazy promoters want to do, but I do know that they are definitely those nights and they are definitely at those venues. And I wasn't even supposed to say the venues, but who fucking cares? Do you think anybody listens to this fucking podcast? And, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So save those dots. So many more cities are coming. If you're on my newsletter, I always list where I'm dreaming to come. So you can join the newsletter. <laughs> Um, so many more revisiting a lot of places, jenkirkman.com click tour. Okay, great. Uh, so I just saw this article about loneliness, which is not the same as going somewhere alone. So I actually don't want to read it because I wanted to read, I had saved this article. Um, it was like quotes from women, like, oh yeah, no, wait. It was like 25 women on being alone, but it wasn't like necessarily you're alone, not in a relationship. It was like, uh, you know, I'm a smart lady and I got things going on. And there was some good quotes. Um, you know, I think they repurposed this from, yeah, let's, let's read it. 25 famous women on being alone. I didn't even get into the episode yet. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. Uh, This is from thecut.com from 2016. Depending on who you are, the very thought of spending time alone will send your heart racing with delight or despair. 
For extroverts, alone time can be an almost withering experience. For introverts, it can be a crucial sanctuary and a chance to recharge. While the days of openly calling single women old maids, spinsters, or cat ladies are nearing extinction, well, we don't need to call people old maids or spinsters. But a cat lady, as long as we make it a positive. I mean, some people have cats. Plenty of married with kids people I know have cats. Most people I know have cats, have families, and partners. Um, or an equal amount. I know people with cats who are single. But a lot of like very single people I know tend to have dogs or they have no pets. So why don't we make it a positive? Like, oh yeah, I care about animals. I'm a cat lady. I'm fun. You know? I can actually go out at night because the cat just, I put the food out and then the cat pees and poops in his little thing. I don't have to stay home and monitor the cat the way I do a dog when you got to walk it and you don't have to pay money for a babysitter. I think cat ladies are actually on the move. We're on the move. Boot. What song is that? Cat ladies actually have it all figured out. Right? I'm on the move. What song is that? Of course, I... You know, everything is old is new and is old. I put in, I'm on the move, and some song comes up from two years ago. Is it this song, though? Bobby Bird, I'm on the move? No. But that should be the official Cat Lady theme song, shouldn't it? Yeah, don't let nobody stop me. I'm on the way up. I might have to put this on my pre-show playlist. Bobby Bird. I'm on the move. Moving. Grooving. Down with it. And gonna quit it. Got it. Got it. Hey. Hey. Woo. I've never heard this song and it's Artie. My new favorite. Ah. But I can't find it. I can't find it. Oh, my God. Now 19 songs are playing at once. Oh, my God. 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 What's happening? Okay. So how do I find it? I need to go, Jen, you type in on the move. But we are not understanding... Get on the move. Oh, here it is. No. Ah, guys, this is so frustrating. Then you put, oh, he's just naming cities. Get on the move, South Carolina. Los Angeles, get on the move. All right, I'm, I'm just going to have to get into this guy on my own time. 
How's this song? I'm hot pants. I'm coming. I'm coming. My goodness. I love it. You know, I can't find on the move. Oh, it's making me insane. Don't you guys just want me to find it? Just get it the fuck over with? I can't. Okay, anyway, but cat ladies, they're on the fucking move, everybody. That's why they have a cat. Low maintenance. I'm on the move. Everyone's dogs thinks they're so fucking superior, don't they? Ah, oh, they just think they're so much. My dog gives me love. I'm not an avoidant. And cats give you love too, but they're not going to show you. They're not going to just run up to you with the same fervor that they run up to their owner. Like some, some needing, needing endless pit of need, you know? They're like, oh, cats just do this and do that. Even they do it to you because you don't know the cat. You think, the, no, no. Cat owners, when they have a cat that's a little bit, ooh, I don't know what's going to happen with this cat. Are they going to give me their love? What's happening? Well, then you sort of learn how to, no, I guess not talk to your cat is what you do, but, but you sort of, uh, you, 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 you learn how to establish intimacy with your cat is what I'm saying. You, you, you might have to teach them how to not be afraid of you. It's a, it's a little bit of an effort. It bonds you. And then everybody feels good. You've saved something. They've saved you. I know there's all kinds of things about dogs. Don't read me about dogs for fuck's sake. I know dogs are great. I'm just not a dog person. I'm never going to be. I'm not a bacon person either. I know that's two separate things. But I'm never going to be. I don't care to talk about bacon. I don't care to talk about dogs. These are things people talk about that I'm like, you, you do you. Come on, keep talking about dogs and bacon. I just gonna sit this one out because I ain't uh, nothing to offer. On the move. It's not an A fucking album. And it's making me upset. That's okay. That's okay. So we'll finish this quick thing uh, about that, but then I want to read something about dogs. Sorry. I'm sorry to say I've got some information about dogs. It just came out in 2018. Okay, women on spending time alone. These social stigmas surrounding ladies who are uncoupled by choice or by chance still runs deep. 25 accomplished women, including Shonda Rhimes and Diane Keaton, discuss what being alone and living as a single independent woman means to them. Well, maybe if we could stop calling it alone, wouldn't sound so crazy. Alone is... How about just calling it, like you said, uncoupled, not in a relationship currently? By the time this went to print, maybe everything's different. Alone? You're in a marriage. Your husband goes to work for three days out in the fields. Are you alone? Well, yeah, you're physically on your couch alone, but are you alone in life? Well, God, no, I've got my husband. Well, I'm sitting on the couch alone right now. Am I alone in life? No, I have 50. My phone's on. Do not disturb because people, people I know call me. I'm like, please stop calling. Um, 
Shonda Rhimes says, I don't know if anyone has noticed, but I only ever read about one thing, being alone, the fear of being alone, the desire to not be alone, the attempts we make to find our person, to keep our person, to convince our person to not leave us alone, the joy of being with our person and thus no longer alone, the devastation of being left alone, the need to hear the words, you are not alone. Every single time it comes down to one thing, you are not alone. Nobody should be alone. So I write. She said that at the Human Rights Campaign in Los Angeles. Stevie Nicks says, most women would not be happy being me. People say, but you're alone, but I don't feel alone. I feel very unalone. I feel very sparkly and excited about everything. I know women who are going like, I don't want to grow old alone. And I'm like, see, that doesn't scare me because I'll never be alone. I'm always surrounded by people. I'm like the crystal ball. And these are all the rings of Saturn around me. Okay. My generation fought very hard for feminism and we fought very hard to not be labeled as you had to have a husband or you had to be in a relationship or you were somehow not a cool chick. And now I'm starting to see that come around again where people say to you, well, what do you mean you don't have a boyfriend? You don't want to have one? You don't want to be married? And you're like, well, no, I, I, I'm actually fine. And they find a lot of reasons why you're not fine. But it just seems to be coming back. Be, being able to take care of myself is something that my mom really instilled in me. I can always remember her saying, if nothing else, I will teach you to be independent. Carrie Brownstein says, I think alone time is good to know how to be alone with your own thoughts. I think it just helps you kind of be a better, more grounded person. And also, I feel like it builds a sense of self-confidence and a sureness that you know that you can venture out into experiences without the crutch of other people. Like, you're not doing it because you feel lonely or isolated, but because it generates a new kind of experience. Catherine Hepburn, my hero. I put on pants 50 years ago and declared a sort of middle road. I have not lived as a woman. I've lived as a man. I have just done what I damn well wanted to, and I've made enough money to support myself, and I ain't afraid of being alone. I fucking love Katherine Hepburn. Fran Leibowitz, who's actually in a relationship and has been for decades, but okay, she's in here. I guess this is a not just about relationships. This is a not a just about a relationships. Um, Fran Leibowitz, that I am totally devoid of sympathy for or interest in the world of groups is directly attributable to the fact that my two greatest needs and desires, smoking cigarettes and plotting revenge, are basically solitary pursuits. Oh, sure, sometimes a friend or two drops by and we light up together and occasionally I bounce a few vengeance ideas around with a willing companion, but actual meetings are really unnecessary. That's from a book called The Fran Leibowitz Reader. Actually, she wrote that in 1994. I would read any of Fran Leibowitz's books. Um, a lot of them you can get on Kindle because some are out of print, but she's a genius. And if you don't know Fran Leibowitz, get into her because she's my hero as well as Sandra Bernhardt. They, they are heroes. And Fran Leibowitz, you need to know of her. Just I, I will put stuff on the website to help you guys remember to get into her. Um, Okay, great. I'm just making notes. Um, let's see, a couple more. Mm. Uh, mm. 
Grace Jones, I have made a big effort in my life to enjoy being alone so that I don't enter a relationship only because I am afraid of being on my own. I enjoy my own company because there is no guarantee, even if you are in a couple, that the match will last all your life. And I like myself. I'm the best form of entertainment I have. The key is to make friends with yourself. Children make imaginary friends. If I have to do that, I will do that. They will say I'm crazy, but I will be happy. Sometimes it is better to find ways to be happy alone than to have a relationship in which you are miserable for the sake of not being alone. That's from I'll Never Write My Memoirs, um, which came out in September 2015. Maybe I should read that. I love Grace Jones. Okay, so there you go. That's a fun article to read. I think you might like it. Now, I didn't mean to say mean things about dogs. I know people love their dogs. I just want you to get off our batoxes about it because not everyone's a dog person. No, but if you did this, you no, no, I don't have to do anything to be a dog person. I don't have to know your dog. I don't have to like read about dogs, but you like Snoopy. I, I like Snoopy. I do. I, how about that? I like Snoopy and that's where we leave me alone. How about that? It's, it's not enough. Well, then you have your own issues, don't you? I guess I do. You still go to the gym or did you give that up? second week into the new year. That's what they say. The gym memberships drop off. Well, I hope that you got the kind that you can cancel because I think you should put your money into your mind, right? You can always take a walk, do some sit-ups at home, get one of those, those awful bikes that everyone's getting. Every Christmas ad this year was like, get a romantic bike and face it out onto your property that you could just run on, but okay, get the bike. Um, Put the money into your, you're off the holidays. You're going to have the same fight with my family. I always have. Next year is going to be different. How's it going to be different unless you make some changes? That's what therapy's great for. I don't use Talkspace personally, but a lot of I seem funners do. I get letters from people that they just started and they love it. And I just love therapy, but not everybody can find a therapist in their town. Not everybody has health insurance. Not everybody can afford the co-pays. Not everybody has the luxury of having the same hours free that their local therapist has. They don't want to get up from work and have to leave for almost an hour and a half, including the commute. The internet's not all evil. It's got good stuff on it like Talkspace, the online therapy company that makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. You provide your preferences for therapy and Talkspace matches you with one of their 3,000 plus therapists the very same day. Send your therapist unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages from anywhere at any time and you'll hear back daily, five days per week. All you need is a computer with an internet connection on the Talkspace mobile app or the Talkspace mobile app. No, no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. There are more than 1 million people who are feeling happier with Talkspace. You don't have to visit multiple therapists in order to find the right one. The Talkspace matching process takes your unique preferences into account to find someone whose style and expertise matches your needs. And if you want to switch therapists... You can do so, no extra cost anytime, because taking care of mental health shouldn't be more work. It's convenient. You no longer have to wait for your next appointment to talk about what's on your mind. With Talkspace, you can send unlimited messages to your dedicated therapist from the privacy of your device from anywhere at any time of day. If you're having a really tough time, you can always schedule a live video session with your therapist for extra support. It's so affordable that one month of therapy on the Talkspace platform costs about the same amount as one single face-to-face session. 
Best of all, you'll never have to wait a week to share what's on your mind. It's dedicated to helping everyone live happier lives. We also have talk space for teens. One in five children deals with a mental health issue in their life. God, I wish I'd had this when I was a teenager. Oh my God, I thought I was so alone. I thought I thought I was going to have to go be locked up somewhere. I was going to the library and looking in the encyclopedia, like words that I thought I heard, like mental health, crazy. You know, God, if only I'd known how how normal and okay it is. And oh, if, if only... I mean, I'm not glad we had the internet because I would have been posting ridiculously embarrassing things on my Facebook page, but I wish I had Talkspace. Talkspace is now offering counseling to teens ages 13 and up. With Talkspace, teens can message a licensed counselor from their phone or computer anywhere, anytime. No appointments, scheduling hassles, or extra commutes. You can help take care of your child's well-being with the help of a professional in an easy and affordable way. So again, Talkspace has over 3,000 licensed therapists. They're experienced in addressing every challenge we face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, Talkspace.com slash Jen. Make sure to also type in Jen at checkout and you will get $45 off of your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Jen. T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash Jen. One N and Jen, peeps. Jen and Talkspace.com slash Jen. So this is the bad news. Your dog might not be a genius after all. I just read this Scientific American new study finds that canines are not exceptional in the animal world. If you are convinced your dog is a genius, you may be disappointed in the conclusions of a study just published in the journal Learning and Behavior. The study finds that dogs are cognitively quite ordinary when compared to other carnivores, domestic animals, and social hunters. There is no current case for canine exceptionalism. That we think otherwise is not surprising. Claims of canine exceptionalism abound from people's anecdotes about their dog's ability to read their minds. Sparky looked into my eyes and then at the refrigerator, he knew I wanted a beer. To books with titles such as My Dog is a Genius, How to Improve Your Dog's Intelligence. To a canine intelligence test that will let you, quote, find the genius in your dog. Case studies add to the perception that dogs possess uncanny intelligence. A striking example is a border collie named Chaser. Trained from puppyhood by her owner, the late Wooford College psychologist John Pilly, Chaser has learned the names of more than a thousand toys. I mean, I didn't even know there were a thousand toys. She even seems able to reason, as she demonstrated for the astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson on the television program Nova. Tyson begins by placing a random selection of Chaser's toys behind a couch and asking her to retrieve several of them, which she does with dispatch. He then adds to the array a toy she has never seen, a Charles Darwin doll. Finally, he asks Chaser to find Darwin. Chaser walks behind the couch, and after a few seconds of hesitation brings the doll to an astonished Tyson. Another reason we may think our dogs are gifted stems from the way we view ourselves. When people are asked to rate themselves on traits such as intelligence, they tend to give above-average ratings. The Lake Wobegon effect, named after the fictional town created by Garrison Keillor, where all the children are above average, extends to pets. Do I never fucking knew Lake Wobegon was a fake place? I thought it was a real place. And I obviously knew where all the children are above average was a joke, meaning that's what everyone thinks about their kids, but I thought it was a real place. Okay. In a study published, I mean, and I know he was taping it from a studio in New York City. I know he wasn't in the Midwest somewhere, but I thought it was a real place. 
I'm as dumb as a dog. In a study published in Basic and Applied Social Psychology, researchers had 137 pet owners rate both their own pet and the average pet on a range of traits, including intelligence. The results revealed that the people rated their pets as above average on desirable traits and below average on undesirable traits. Oh my God, people are insufferable. Oh my God. I have never not been anywhere where someone's dog doesn't just start wrapping around my leg on the leash and the person just looks at me like either you must be enjoying this or I'm not even going to acknowledge it. It makes me crazy. Same with little kids pushing all the buttons when I'm doing self-check-in at the airport and their parents go, Tommy, come here, you're bothering her. And it makes it seem like she's easily bothered, Tommy. He's not bothering me. He's just like, do you want to teach your kid what they're really doing? Tommy, you could mess up her transaction. She's trying to board the plane. That's not, that's her personal space. This is how we stand in the world, Tommy. Come stand in the personal space here. That's what you do. You know, you're bothering her. That doesn't teach the kid anything and it makes him feel bad. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He just wasn't doing anything that normal humans should be growing up to do in society where you don't just walk over to someone and just start pressing the buttons, you know, as they're typing in their confirmation code because it looks fun, but he doesn't know. Now he'll know, oh, she's doing something. I'll interrupt it. Everyone stands in their personal space. Okay. I mean, and also it's not a toy Wish we had time to show you how it works, Tommy. But I mean, I hate when parents do that. They just go, are you bothering her? And I really feel in that moment that the parents think that I am botherable. In other words, it's my weakness. It's not that a child is being a child and needs to be taught. It's that you're bothering that woman who's standing there and obviously doesn't give a fuck about children because she's traveling with two carry-ons. Uh, one check-in and one carry-on for a one-night trip. What is she, Mrs. Howell? She She's a slave to things, Tommy, a slave to things. She's she's shallow, uh, Tommy. So st- you're bothering her because everything bothers her. Now, if a nice mom type came around, you certainly wouldn't be bothering her. And I would say, smear peanut butter on her keyboard and she would get it and she would laugh and say, aren't they precious at this age? And we would share a smile that said, we're in hell, but we can never let the child-free people know. Okay. So, nevertheless, blah, blah. For example, dogs seem no better at learning associations such as between a behavior and a a reward than other species. Similarly, dogs can spatially navigate within small spaces, but other species can too. And while dogs have an excellent sense of smell, the pig's olfactory abilities are outstanding and might be even better than the dog's. Pigs are always smelling bacon. They're burning up my friends. Even more surprising, dogs do not appear to be exceptional in their ability to perceive and use community signals from humans. According to the domestication hypothesis, dogs have been bred to be especially sensitive to human cues such as hand signals. However, contrary to the domestication hypothesis, they are far from unique in this ability. For example, the reigning champions of the ability to follow human hand signals are the bottlenose dolphin and the gray seal. None of this is to diminish the benefits of dog ownership. But it does a little bit. They keep us company and may even improve our physical health. <laughs> so it is a for me, that's a sequined pillow. So look, I don't mean to shit on dogs, but you know, I'm just saying 
It does help with stress, but it wouldn't help with my stress because I don't want to be at the mercy of this and pay all the money and do all the thing. And I'm not interested. My stress is keeping my life simple, but gimple, so I can tour, right? So everybody's diff. Everybody's diff. That's me. I'm like um, the hip, cool, new Mr. Rogers, Ms. Ms. Roger. And I'm just like, everybody's diff. Come on, kids. But I'm, I'm sort of abbreviating things from like four years ago. Everybody's diff up in here, y'all. And people are just like, I don't, she's appropriating everything. We don't even know what to do. Honey, everybody's diff. Don't feel bad. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, I kind of think I want to be Ms. Roger. I kind of do. I kind of think we need a fabulous Mrs. Rogers. Or Mr. Rogers, or I don't know, whatever the, whatever the, equivalent is. I think we need it. All right. So listen, you guys are always asking me, you dress so well. How do you do it? Well, I'm going to tell you how you can do it for yourself. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. So Here's what's happened. I have taken the quiz with Stitch Fix. I didn't get my clothes yet, but I know that I'm going to love them. So here's what I did. You just go to stitchfix.com slash fun. You tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. And then they will show you groupings. Would you wear something like this? No. Yes. Ooh. Ah. You're, you're going to be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick items to send right to your door. Then you try them on. You pay only for what you love and you return the rest. So it's like if you know you need to shop for something, you're like, you know what? I need like a basic work outfit that I can take with me on business trips. You know what? I always get asked to these cocktail parties last minute. I never have anything to wear and it doesn't matter if I wear the same thing twice. I need that cocktail look. You know what? I just need like a weekend outfit that I can just wear all the time. It's so great because there's no subscription required. So you're not just like spending money every month on a subscription and you go in looking for the look that you want and they have all your info, all your measurements, and they send it to you because a stylist puts it together. And if you love it, great, then you buy it. And if you don't, well, you don't have to buy it. Try them on, pay for what you love, return the rest. Shipping exchanges and returns are always free. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or you can get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only 20 bucks. Do you guys know how crazy that is? It's like hundreds of dollars, if not almost a thousand of a stylist for like a couple hours, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Call to action, people. Let's do this. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash fun, and you will get an extra 25% off when you keep all items in your box. That is stitchfix.com, S-T-I-T-C-H, fix, F-I-X.com slash fun, and get started today stitchfix.com slash fun. All right. So how do we end this program? Well, we don't need to end it, but, but what do we want to talk about today? 
because there's more stuff to talk about, right? We got more thing. We got more things going on here. I do want to tell a story about my physical therapist, but I'm so self-conscious because this article came out from some website. I don't know. I posted it in the secret I Seem Fun Facebook group. And it was like, it instead of saying Jen sits at home and talks to you every week about what's going on in her life, I don't think they've ever listened to an episode. They went off descriptions on my website and they said, um, on her podcast, she talks about her neck arthritis and doing this. I'm like, oh, but not every week. It's different every week. Bill Burr's podcast, they understood that he does the same thing and they didn't go, he only talks about this. Anyway, but I do need to tell you about, all right, I'm going to tell you about my weird physical therapist who I kind of love. So yeah, so I do like my Pilates physical therapist. Then I do like physical therapist for certain moves with my arms. Then I go to my chiropractor. Then I have my doctor that shoots the epidural. And then I just, with my class pass, my workout of choice is Pilates. So I'm doing it. I'm still stiff as a biff, but it's getting, it's getting better. And I'm doing, I'm eating like an anti-inflammation diet. I'm trying me best. And I've got the ice, the heat, the proper pillows, the proper posture. You know, it's just, I let something go for a long time and this is how long it takes to heal. It's always interesting to me when I let something go for seven months and then I start working on it in month two. I'm like, why isn't it gone? Why isn't it gone? It's like, it takes just as much time to get better as it did to get sick. But so I see my physical therapist first time I see him last week, two weeks ago. I notice it's not the other one that I'm used to seeing, this woman. I never know. Are people shy? Do they have a social anxiety disorder? Are they just, I don't know. His energy was a little weird, but now it's working for me. So at first he was like, hey, um, I guarantee you he won't hear me talking about this. It could be one of those things where he secretly knows who I am. Or he's always making jokes because he's always making jokes, but he's not really always, okay, I'm just going to say, listen, I got to live, I got to live my life, so I go, he's like, um, okay, uh, okay, so tell me what's going on, and I was getting a little snippy and annoyed, because I said, well, I, I, I brought you guys the MRI results, the, the doctor, the, the chiropractor has them, I thought he gave them to you, I can't describe C1 to C7. I mean, I can guess, but I just gave him the paperwork. He put it in the system. Can't you pull it up on a computer? You have the C. No, no, no. We'll figure it out. Oh, God. So I have to go through the whole rigmarole of questions again. No, I've never had this before. Yes, on and off, I've had issues. I've always dealt with them. They go away right away. I travel. I write. I bing. I bong. I boo. I bit. Okay. I always feel so defensive. I can never relax at the beginning of an intake because I'm like, I know all the things. And I'm not saying I know all the things like I know it all. I just don't want the same shit explained to me. I actually am trying to make room for the big stuff. Maybe I should just calm down. So I said, I understand that the strain in my neck is because the muscles in the front of my neck are weak and the back of my neck is overcompensating and it's causing inflammation. So we need to do the classic exercises that I've always needed to do, which is strengthen the front of my neck and strengthen the this and the... Uh, okay. 
So I'm laying there and I'm, he's showing me the exercises. You're going to do this three times a day. And now I'm like, is all I do just rehab myself from therapy to physical therapy to voice therapy? Do I ever just get up out of bed and do nothing and go see a movie? No. And when I do, it feels like I'm blowing off my life. Like, ooh, find me at Skid Row next. I'm really just go off the deep end of irresponsibility. I do live that binge cycle where I'm like doing all the things right. And then I'm like, I'm busting out of my seams because I've been doing five modalities of therapy every day. So I'm doing the things and I said, yeah, my mind really comprehends this, but my arm just is not moving. And he went, the mind is strong, the body is weak. And he was laughing. Well, that was hard laughing for him. But I thought, he mustn't think that alone is a funny sentence because it's interesting. I'd like to know his philosophy. Funny? I'm not laughing. But he was laughing because he was having a memory of a first date he went on a few weeks ago. Actually, it wasn't his first date. He, he wasn't overly clear how long he's been with this woman, but I think they're just dating. But I think he would like to be more serious and he would like to marry her someday. Um, but I believe he was saying on one of their first dates, they went ice skating. And she is a therapist and he is a physical therapist. She is a brain, psych, you know, psychiatrist, psychologist. And he fell because his ankles felt so weak. They just couldn't. And he's a thin man. (laughs) His ankles just did something. And she said, you know, it's just mind over matter. And he said, my mind is strong. My ankles are weak. And he thought that was so funny. And I was like, you know what? This little coupling, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm all up in it. I'm happy for them. It seems adorbs. And... You know, that that might be the log line of their relationship. The mind is strong, but the insert thing is weak, right? My will is weak. My body's weak. Whatever their peccadillo is going to be in the relationship. Now I'm just pitching a Netflix rom-com to myself right now. So anyway, he said the way he fell, however, the way he was, uh, they went ice skating again recently. And he fell again. And they laughed. Oh, the mind is up. But the way he fell, he sort of fell on one knee. And she knew he wasn't proposing because they've talked about getting married. And she, I don't think she expected that right then. But the people around them started skating, <laughs> thinking, someone's proposing over here, which I just love that visual that we're all, it's <laughs> like, How many times have we seen smoke coming out of a building when we walk by? We're like, huh, just super cash. Is that a chimney or is that like a fire? Or like, I don't know, maybe it's a steamy dishwasher coming out of the kitchen. I don't know. I'm sure they figured out. You keep watching. Nobody runs. We've got a fire here. But someone falls on one knee. No one's even running towards them. Oh my God, is your knee okay? I am a knee expert just, oh my God, just people going, oh my God, and like putting their hands up to their mouth and skating closer so they can watch people pulling out their phones. He's like, I'm not proposing. I fell on my knee (laughs) trying to get back up. 
But before he told the story, he did the, the thing, and this is why it's hard for us comedians to hang out with you mere mortals, is even as a comedian, I, I can sort of tell when one joke or anecdote I might have where the audience might be way ahead of me on it and go, oh, I know how this is going to end. So you sometimes have to, if I have a story, That's why you want to have some things come out of nowhere as much as possible because it's about the element of surprise. But there are some stories, I'm not saying this one's an example, where the person obviously knows where you're going with this. And you have to go, I was ice skating and people thought I was proposing. What? Yeah, I'll tell you. And then now you know the ending. And then you can, once you get to the part about how people thought it was you proposing, well, maybe it's not the big ending you wanted, but now you can get into the psychology and that's what I just did. Like, imagine that people think you're proposing. They start gathering around. But if I was really in pain, would they have gathered around? They just wanted to get this on their iPhone so they could post it. You know, that's where you make the story interesting. But sometimes you can't act like, oh my God, she's never going to know where this is going. It's like the minute you say the way I fell on one knee, I already know what's going. Just a little hot tip for you. Sometimes you got to blow up the ending and then explore it from a different angle. And that's what makes it interesting. So anyway, right before he told that story, he's like, <laughs> don't laugh too hard, though, because it's really funny. But don't laugh too hard because you're doing your exercises. Like I was going to laugh so hard as I'm face down doing like a swimming motion with my arms that I'm going to just fall off the table. Like, you know, those red fish not the gummy kind but they're made of just plastic thin plastic paper I guess is how I can put it and you take it out of the package and you put it in your hand and the heat in the palm of your hand makes the fish flip and you're supposed to get an answer like I'm gonna flip around like that like ha 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 I mean come on people And that's, again, the difference between comedians and everyone else. So comedians, we don't even assume you're going to think it's funny. We're, we're hoping. We put it together mathematically in a way that ensures it'll probably elicit a laugh. You might even laugh at stuff and then later go, I didn't think that was funny. I just laughed because it was, I got amused in the moment. But people who tell stories, they think the most painful thing would be if someone didn't find it funny. I'm like, eh, I don't give a fuck. So anyway, so I, I'm like, this guy's weird, but okay. So I go back the next week. And I actually, my pain was down. It's not pain. It's just intense stiffness to where I notice I'm compensating and like I don't move my head anymore, which isn't a viable way to live. So I go back and I'm just sort of having a bad day. Like I had a day, a few days where things felt moving. I could move my head without it being too stiff. But at the end of the day, I knew I have to get another of these epidural shots because there's just way too much inflammation and it's going to take a while to go down. And I walked in his office. I had just seen the chiropractor and I was like, he's like, how are you doing today? I'm like, I'm really discouraged. I said, I'm doing all of my exercises and I just don't feel better this week. And of course he does the thing that all doctors, physical therapists, Pilates teach, everybody does. They go, well, you have to do the exercises every day. I'm like, I did. That's why I'm discouraged. If I didn't do them, I wouldn't be discouraged. I'd be like, oh, I know why that happened. I'm doing all the things. I'm sleeping on the right pillow. I'm doing ice. I'm doing heat. I'm doing turmeric. I'm doing the 
low inflammation diet. I'm doing CBD oil. I'm doing chiropractor and acupuncture and physical therapy and Pilates and then regular Pilates. And I'm walking and I'm doing infrared saunas and I'm doing this and I'm blah, blah, blah. And I'm hydrating like every single thing you could do. And I'm a meditator and I'm, and I'm, and he goes, uh, and I'm doing traction. Like I have this machine that pulls my head. I do electric stim. I mean, literally, I feel like four hours a day is about this stiff thing that I can't move in my neck. And I said, I'm getting a little sick of it because I don't normally live this way. And he said, yeah, well, I think, you know, you're in bargaining and anger. And he went through the five stages of grief. He's like, you're in anger and depression. I'm like, I started to get mad. I was like, no, I'm not. I was like, well, maybe I am. And he goes, you have to be in acceptance. And I said, I thought I was. I'm in acceptance that this is part of my life. That's why I went immediately into all the treatments. And he's like, yeah, but you know, ultimately the human condition is we're all going to die. We're just all going to die. And no one wants to think about that. And I was like, dude, here's the thing though. We've got to get more personalized with our patients. I told him, I go, I do a Buddhist meditation where you focus on your own death. And I've been doing that because my fear of death was so intense that it was stopping me from living. And it had a lot to do with my fear of flying and my fear of this and my fear of that. And I still have it to where sometimes I wake up just holding my breath in my sleep, sleep apnea style, because I know that I get anxious about that. So I was just trying to tell him, dude, I'm maybe it, I'm not in acceptance about death. I'm not really sure how that would feel, but I'm in complete reality of it. And I think about it every five minutes. Again, as I'm saying it, that's not really acceptance, is it? I'm still trying to control it by picturing what it could be like, or when do I think I'll feel okay about it? Or, you know, um, but I told him, I understand what he's saying and that I appreciated the conversation. And yeah, he was just like, yeah, you know, we all die. And he just kept saying that. And it was fucking cracking me up. So then he does a little rubbing on my shoulder. He's like, oh, this is really, really stiff. I'm like, see, when you do that, it makes me feel bad. Like I've done something wrong and I, I am not doing anything wrong. I'm not making this worse. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I like the death talk. Just talk about how we're all going to die. <laughs> and that is what you get with kind of a weird physical therapist who's really good at what he does. And, um, a strange person like me who, you know, sometimes I really can be stubborn and I need it beaten into my head. Like you're bargaining right now, Missy. I'm like, okay. One of the, my greatest things I like is learning something new about psychology or spirituality or just different attitudes I can have and going, Hey, I'm wrong again. It's kind of fun to be wrong because then I get to learn more and I get to be a, a really cool expanding person. Let's look, end this on a fun listener email. Let's just see. Let's just see. Is there anything fun? Hey. What's this? Uh, This is a woman who is inspired by my last episode where I talked about letting men into my home, like if they're the handyman or whatever. And she said she never thought about it. So I guess you guys can email me, iSeemFun at gmail.com. Tell me more about going to shows alone and tell me more about ways in which you've kind of changed your life up because men who are strangers have to be part of it. Like, what do you do for walking in parking garages? What do you do walking at night? What do you do for things in your home? Uh, women, explain to me, how do you survive 
in a world of men when you're afraid. Uh, because there was that great thing that went around on Twitter that was like, all the men are safe. They're just off the streets for 24 hours. Would you live differently? And all the women were like, I'd run outside of my pajamas and dance and I'd walk in the dark and I'd walk in the woods. So, okay. Um, Megan says, Jen, when you explained about Shannon in your latest episode and making it a rule that you don't allow men you don't know into your home, I went, hi, I guess she's right. We can do that. I've been a single person homeowner for the past two years and have had the same issue since the beginning. Currently, as I type this, I have yet another man from the construction company I hired to comply with my insurance company. I did not shop around in my home. They have sent different men with every step of this project. I had water damage occur. I am normally at work when they are here, but I had the day off today and I sit in my bedroom with the door closed with my dogs as a protective barrier. I had to leave said barrier to make lunch because he had been here all morning and I was depriving myself of eating until he left, but I couldn't take it anymore. Then as per usual with almost all of the men, he wants to ask me all kinds of personal questions. How long have you lived here? Two years ago, inherited the house. Did your parents pass away? Mom moved away. Where'd your mom move to? I just say she remarried because this has escalated way farther than I am happy with. Where do you work? I do answer as polite as possible. Oh, women are always so concerned with this because we have to be. But also as short as possible. I want to say, do you people really not know those questions sound somewhat stalkerish to a single woman living alone? But I don't want them to know that for that I sure do live alone. I also don't need polite conversation. The conversation should be about the work you're doing and then end. The only thing that keeps me feeling a little safer is the dog whose sound I learned is bigger than the damage they would do. As I'm making lunch in my kitchen, he walks behind me to the doorway while pushing the trigger on his drill, which in turn spins in a loud menace. Um, I'm immediately afraid of being stabbed with the thing, so I whip around to wait for him to exit the room. I take my things hardly back to my barrier as it is safe while he is outside. This is what we live with. And again, how do I at least meet all these idiots before they come traipsing mud across my newly installed floors? Anyway, I felt what you were saying and it made me go, oh yeah, that's true. I can own my own space. Don't know how I'm going to go about it exactly, but at least you've helped plant that seed in me to think about. So thank you. I didn't mean to say your whole last name. Sorry. Sorry. I'll have to edit that out. All right, I'll edit that out. And with that, I said someone's name and it's got edited out. No. Okay. Well, there you go. I love people weigh in. Tell me about your life. One quick one from Jay Argent, who's a podcast listener. He cracks me up all the time. I noticed that Dove mini chocolates don't have the usual fortune cookie-esque inspirational quotes anymore. Now they have really stupid hashtag social media style quotes that people submit and have attributed to them no matter how cheesy or plagiarized they are. I nearly barfed up my caramel milk chocolate mini last week. If I ever think that someone with a name like Caitlin with a K and a Y came up with this first, please throw me into the Charles River. Try to be a rainbow in someone's cloud. Caitlin from Michigan. All right, I have to post that on the I Seem Fun board. Um, All right, great. Well, guys, try to be a rainbow in someone's cloud. Until next week, have fun. One. Two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. 
If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.